0: This is episode number 277 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And i'm anita lambert mom pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health on the show we provide information and education on fitness the pelvic floor fertility pregnancy birth postpartum and women's health we offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical mental and emotional health while you're listening in please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your health care. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, it's Jessie. I wanted to make sure you knew that enrollment is opening so soon for the prenatal and postnatal fitness specialist Academy, our coaching certification for coaches and clinicians who want to or are working with perinatal and pelvic health clients. And you can be from any exercise or health modality, or you simply have an interest in working with pregnant and postpartum people and want to learn how to better support them in their body and their lives. So the coaching certifications will open to the waitlist early before the public on Monday, March 20th. You can add your name to the waitlist now at the link in today's show notes, and you will save up to $500 on your registration for being on the waitlist. So head to the link in today's show notes for all the details on both the prenatal and the postnatal fitness specialist Academy, and to jump on that waitlist for first details and the chance to save on your registration. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Two Birth and Beyond. It's Jessie Mundell, and today we are joined by Ashley Mitchell. I'm so excited to have you. (laughs) I'm
1: so excited to be here. Thank you.
0: (sighs) thank you I was trying to figure out when I was first introduced to you how I found you on the socials how we became because I found
1: introduced. you okay found tell you. me
0: what happened
1: someone that I follow posted like reposted something like it, you know you were on their story um and then so like I did a brief stalking of your page. Like I'm not a, I'm not an in-depth stalker. Like I'll go to like maybe the first six things on someone's grid <laughs> and, and I'll decide from there. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I was like, oh, she's really dope. And like, she's definitely speaking to um, like the kinds of content that I want and need in my life right now. And then you followed me back, thank you. <laughs>
0: Yes. So then here we are. my gosh. I'm so glad those first six posts spoke to you. (laughs) Thank goodness.
1: They did. They did. did.
0: Yeah. Okay. So yes, then I became so interested in all that you were speaking about and writing about, which was, you know, largely focused on motherhood within that time. Mm -hmm. It must've been Mm -hmm. when you were very early postpartum then.
1: Yeah. Because your
0: so. your son is now how old?
1: Uh going on 20 months. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know it goes really fast. It goes really fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fast and slow and all the yes. things and all the all speeds.
1: The mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But I've just really enjoyed Yeah, listening to what you speak and write about regarding motherhood, regarding your experiences as a Black woman, a Black mom in America. And of course, you're within the fitness industry as well, too. Mm -hmm, And you have mm -hmm. strong opinions about that, as (laughs) do I. (laughs)
1: Yes, that's another reason why I love you.
0: (laughs) So I'm just, yeah, I'm grateful to talk to you today about. Yeah, particularly your experiences through pregnancy, birth, postpartum, mothering, again, especially as a Black woman in the United States, and particularly with what you have been speaking about more recently as well, too, and in the past, but your experience with breastfeeding Mm -hmm. and uh, an article that you recently had published in the Boston Globe called breastfeeding and black moms why i'm breaking a generational cycle congratulations on thank that. you
1: thank you thank you that's a big deal that's a big deal for me um yeah and i i'm really not great at celebrating myself so i'm just going to take it in and say thank you
0: <laughs> yes good i'm so glad yeah. it's an incredible article your writing is so strong and so beautiful thank you. Thank yeah you. we'll link to it in the show notes and everybody go check out Ashley's article because it is really really powerful
1: thank you
0: okay so introduce us to you who is Ashley Mitchell ah um okay I am
1: um let me start with not motherhood since y'all know that that is obviously a part of my a part of my identity now um I am from New Jersey originally. So I live in Massachusetts now in in a suburb outside of Boston. I am a Capricorn. I do feel like this informs my personality. So if you're into that, yes, it's however, whatever you've read about Capricorns is absolutely true. And that's what makes us the best sign. (laughs) We are the best. (laughs) Um, I am a wife um i'm actually a second wife to my husband and he is a second husband to me which absolutely informs a lot about our marriage my identity as a wife all of those things um we also have like a 20 year age difference which also informs everything um and he has three kids in a previous marriage which also has informed everything especially yeah. um especially in birth and postpartum, in my opinion, it was helpful having someone who's already gone through it. Uh, because all of all of the freakouts and late night googling that I was doing, he's like, No, nope, it's fine. <laughs> like, everything is fine. It's fine. You're fine. He's fine. It's okay. <laughs> so that that's, um, it definitely plays a part into um, everything. Um, I'm also a multi-passionate, creative human being. I um, originally went to school for theater, so I used to be an actor, thought I wanted to be an actor, um, but was always an athlete too. And then one day in graduate school, I got a concussion, and um, the way that my program handled um, the concussion itself and my recovery and their um, their philosophy around like consent and bodies and all these things it just really I was like if this if this is what it is to be an actor then I'm not going to do this anymore and so I went into fitness and sort of never looked back and um, but like that sort of like creativity piece also informs everything I do from writing, to speaking, to teaching, um, to managing my time as an entrepreneur, to managing my time as a mother, to, you know, all of these things, um, everywhere I've been has informed everywhere I'm going. Um, So I think think that's everything about me. There's your introduction.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh. I love that so much. Everything about you you informs everywhere that you're going.
1: Yeah.
0: And if there are other fitness or health professionals listening in right now, and often we have many, I just think that that is such a key piece that you must take in with you to your coaching, your training, your treatment, to your clinician skills. Like that is it. That's it. that is what we must take with us when we are working with individual clients and patients so thank you and, and the right people find you
1: you know like your your narrative and your like everything that you are right draws in a certain kind of person and um and i happen to be finally at a good place <laughs> where where the people who are drawn to me are are you know the kinds of people that i really love having in my life but oh yeah if you are if you are listening and this is the work that you do lean into lean into that
0: yes okay tell us about the work that you do in the fitness industry now what is it what does it look like
1: yeah it's um so it's interesting i um i started my fitness career um as a personal trainer right like did did the textbook took the test and just started training people. Wow. Um, Reading a textbook and taking a test does not make you a good trainer, (laughs) but I didn't know that, you know, Mm -hmm. you, I mean, you have to start somewhere. Um, And so when I dropped out of graduate school, I started training my former classmates because (laughs) as it stands, acting has so much superficiality that like, you know, everyone's trying to always look their best, which usually means being as small as possible, unless, you know, you are already in a larger body, in which case it's like, you know, because they're, you're constantly being typecast, right? So if you're a larger person, you kind of want to either stay in that type, or you have to go drastically the other way, right? And so I started training my classmates. Um, and then I started to teach at Orange Theory, and then I started to teach SoulCycle, and then I taught Barry's Boot Camp. Um, and, and throughout all of that, um, I found that the sort of higher I climbed in the sort of hierarchy of boutique fitness, the less I saw people who looked like me. Mm -hmm. And I was a full-time fitness person, right? So teaching anywhere from 12 to sometimes 18 classes a week, which I don't recommend, by the way. I was very tired, (laughs) very, very tired. Lots of acne. It was just bad. It was bad. Um, But, uh, you know, all of those classes every week. And so seeing hundreds of people, plus my private clients. And oftentimes I would be the only Black person in the room or the only black person on staff or the only person of color period, right? And it just really it just really started to bother me because I could never sort of figure out why, right? Um, because it's certainly not for shortage of talent or shortage of people or any of that stuff. And so this is important for understanding where I'm at now because once COVID hit, um, I, I mean, I had been speaking up here and there before then, um, but certainly being gaslighted, you know, like, we just can't find people or people just aren't auditioning or we don't see color or, you know, all those sorts of things. And, oh, it's in your head. That person like didn't mean anything by it or, you know, just all, all of those things. And this isn't new information, right? Like, um but i experienced so much of that that it really it led me to it led me to be afraid to say more right because it was like no one was listening and no one really cared but then 2020 happened and people started listening and um and i made a video that went viral talking about the fitness industry and um and then people really wanted to listen. And I got my 200-hour yoga teacher certification and ended up staying with the company that I got my certification from. And that's who I work for today. Um, And I teach very part-time because I'm a full-time mom, but it was important to me to be with a company that valued my voice, that valued my identity, that wasn't going to ask me to be quote unquote on brand and sacrifice who I am and what I bring to the table um and also I needed to work for someone who was committed to being in the work however imperfectly that might show up but like just the commitment and the forward motion and so today yes I am a fitness instructor I teach yoga hit strength um and also um I do DEI in fitness. So what that looks like is, you know, I'm kind of like, kind of asking the question of like, what, why the fuck is your studio so white in 2023? What are you doing? Why is your studio so white, but you have Black Lives Matter on your website? What are you doing? Or why is there only one Black person? Why are there no non-binary people? Why are there no trans people? Why do your legging sizes only go up to six? Why, you know, like all of, all of those sorts of things. Why don't you have community classes? Why don't you have a sliding scale? Why don't you have, right? Like we've, if 2020, um, wasn't in vain, then like we should be further along. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what it looks like today, a blend of actual fitness and then activism, um, in whatever way I can with the capacity that I have that was a long answer
0: <laughs> yeah but incredible incredible <laughs> you, you needed the
1: full context you know yes,
0: you yes. Of it what did the video that went viral in 2020 say what was the content of that
1: kind of like what I just said like all, what i experienced as a black woman in fitness the gaslighting that i felt um you know just why wasn't anyone listening why didn't anyone care um it was just like 8 minutes of emotional ranting and it was a sunday morning i was still in my bathrobe like drinking a cup of coffee like in no way did I imagine that anyone would even listen to it, right? But I just needed to say it because I was feeling so like everyone was, right? Just so angry and so emotional, you know, after after George Floyd, it was just like, and and it at face value, it has nothing to do with fitness, right? But it has everything to do with fitness because it's about well-being. And I think that's part of what the industry kind of gets wrong. It's it's not about the fucking outfits. It's not about how many calories you've burned. It's like, this is about longevity. This is about being alive. This is about access. This is about so much more than sort of what happens in that 45 minute class or in that personal session or whatever, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And listeners of two birth and beyond are so used to us talking about like, if you're not going to be talking about racism, white supremacy, anti-fatness, weight stigma, then why are you even talking about pelvic floor health? Thank you. You can't separate that shit. You can't.
1: This is why I love you because you find it a wonderful way to connect these dots for people. And I think like that's part of moving forward is showing people how they are connected because we love to compartmentalize because it keeps us comfortable.
0: (laughs) And if you work with pregnant, birthing, and postpartum people, mothers, parents, and you're not connecting all these dots, if you're not looking at race, again, if you're not interrogating, if you're like me, a white person, you're not looking at your own lived experiences and how they are so vastly different than other folks, then it's just, it just is flat. It is boring. It is not complete. There's just so many more dimensions and layers that must be existing within our work.
1: Yeah. I completely, I completely agree. And it's for sure uncomfortable, right? Because you have to challenge your inner narrative, how you were raised. I mean, you're, that's why we call it unlearning, right? It's like, and there is a lot of discomfort in that. However, you move through it, right? It's not, you don't get stuck there. I think that people are possibly afraid of being stuck in this place of like, how have I been complicit? Am I racist? What does that look like? You know, and I've gone through this loop too, specifically with like, um, with people in larger bodies, the assumptions that I've made, how I've treated people based on um, how I grew up and how I was taught to think about bodies, right? Or even gender and sexuality, how I was socialized to think of, you know, people who were trans specifically, right? Never- never knowing anyone trans growing up. And so all of a sudden one day it's like, wait, they is a pronoun? Says who? Where did this come? Right? And so (laughs) you do get, I understand how scary it can be because you have to question everything. But the alternative is that you continue to be the oppressor. And I would much rather unlearn than do
0: harm. Yes. Yes. We can absolutely sit with our own discomfort it pales in comparison with what people are actually living with and through yeah yeah There's just there's no there's no reasons there's no excuses like we just gotta get to it yeah I want to read something that I saw on your website on your blog oh no (laughs) oh god okay (laughs) because then I want to ask you about your experience in motherhood okay Okay, so it says everything I know about pregnancy and being a mom I learned from white women who write Mm. books and blogs about pregnancy and being a mom when I google black women in pregnancy I'm flooded with information about the risks due to racism and underlying health issues that disproportionately affect black women where's the joy and representation of health or more simply where the spaces where black women can tell their mama stories fully and truthfully this blog is for us and it's also for women who want to change the narrative and reject the status quo (sighs) it's beautiful Mm -hmm.
1: thank you
0: okay so talk to us Mm -hmm. about motherhood and what Mm -hmm. of course it's been everything but what has it been for you?
1: Wow. Yeah. I, um, I didn't expect to have a baby in a pandemic. Um, I gave birth to Zion in 2021. And so it wasn't, it wasn't at the height of COVID where, you know, folks were giving birth alone or, you know, not even being able to see their doctors in person until they gave birth. Right. So it wasn't that experience. However, um, it was, you know, I got my first vaccine in I think April or May of 2021, and then I gave birth in June. Right, so it it's it was um, we were very much isolated. I don't have family nearby. Mark's because Mark is so much older than me. Right, his mom is 91. <laughs> She had to stay away from everyone so she could stay alive. Um, And so, you know, I didn't plan on becoming pregnant. I wanted to become pregnant, but I didn't plan on it at that time. I also thought when I got pregnant in late 2020, that by the time I gave birth, surely this wouldn't be a thing. Like surely we would have figured this out. Um. And lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> um, and so that informed everything that happened, right? Because I didn't get the village and the support that I imagined I would have. And I'm a very private person. I'm I'm an introvert at heart. Um, but the people that I love and the people that I've cultivated as family, I wanted them to be there and they couldn't because it was unsafe. And so it, it was motherhood has been very hard, partially because everything that I thought I would have, I didn't get to have, even in terms of, um, you know, really privileged things like a night nurse so I could get some rest. Right. <laughs> I wasn't letting anyone into my house who wasn't essential. Um you know things things like that or or exploring options for a nanny or or another caretaker or something it just wasn't possible so i never i never got the space that i really desperately needed and um and i say that knowing full well that my safety especially as a black person during covid was absolutely a privilege right so let's just acknowledge that as like a baseline and um, just because I had it better than many other people doesn't mean that I can't grieve what I thought it might look like or what I dreamed that it might look like. And so um, I I feel like I I was in between this immense joy and also a lot of grief, a lot of grief for my old life, for my old body. For my friends, for help., um, you know, I wish my husband had had more leave., um, and he had twelve weeks. <laughs> and 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 the way we split it up, just like, or ten weeks, rather sorry, the way we split it up, um, he tried to stretch it as long as possible, which means that he went back a little bit earlier than was helpful. And so it was just, it was just really, it was just really tough. And it was really tough up until the last maybe three or four months for my mental health. Um, And again, while also being immensely joyful, like you see me and Zion on social media, he's awesome. He's so cute. He's so funny. He's so lively and wonderful. And also being a full-time mom is immensely difficult it is wow like there's there's nothing that I could ever compare it to it's also made me realize my friends who have had kids before me I feel like I need to apologize to all of them about my assumptions on their time and capacity and their mental health and all these things because you just never know right? Like what someone is actually going through and how their pregnancy and their birth and their family and their environment and all that stuff contributes to how they feel. So yeah, it's been great and awful
0: at the same time. Yes. Thank you (laughs) for that honesty. Yeah. I just think people need to hear that, to know that what they are going through those feelings that just the range of stuff that is coming up on the daily is just really common yeah people are going through it yeah and it it
1: makes me um it's certainly changed who I engage with on social media because I I respect whatever people want to post you do you it's your account right but like who I connect with if I'm only seeing photo shoots where like all of you are in blue jeans and white button-down shirts like fuck you I'm not you're not my person because if if all I see is this image of perfection um then well number one I know you're lying (laughs) (laughs) and and so like that automatically disqualifies you from being my person but Also, like, it just, it doesn't help my mental health because I constantly need to be reminded that I'm not alone. And I'm not saying that I want to watch people crying in their pantries every day either. But, right, there is a balance of, like, there is joy and there is a lot of grief and annoying things. And, like, you're constantly cleaning and, you know, like, It's just, it's it's constant. It's all day and all night and all of the things.
0: (laughs) All of it. Love it. And you know what's so funny is watching your story and you feeding Zion. And (laughs) it seems like, you know, you just feed your kid, but no, when you have actually had to feed a kid, when you do baby led weaning, when you do whatever, however, you're feeding your child. It is a full time job in it's itself. A job.
1: Yes. It's mind blowing. I can see. And this goes back to like me wanting to apologize to people because even if someone makes a choice that I wouldn't personally make, the judgment, right? It's like, I can understand why you might want to feed your kid a puree from a jar because maybe you don't want to cook another meal or cut another vegetable maybe like that will send you over the edge and I get it and like as long as your kid is fed live your best life whereas before I would have been like ill a jar of food oh my <laughs> god they're so lazy like why don't they just right like man rude awakenings over here <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's it's a whole different world.
0: It is a whole different world. On that note of feeding, let's talk breastfeeding and your experience yes. with breastfeeding and yeah. why it was just so meaningful to you to be able to experience that and do that. Talk to us about breastfeeding.
1: Yeah, I um I was not breastfed. Um, my brother wasn't either. My mom had me uh, four or five months before her 20th birthday. So she wasn't even old enough to drink. <laughs> and here she is, you know, popping out her first kid. And um, my mom grew up in poverty, um, what we called the projects. You can, you know, I think now it's like maybe low income housing or something like that. Um, But we called it the projects. And um, there was just no, no examples of breastfeeding. Um, No one recommended she do it. Um, And, and furthermore, like, I don't even know if I haven't done any digging, but I'm not even sure her experience in the hospital, because she doesn't remember it. We know now that black moms are eight times more likely to be offered formula versus white moms who were offered, you know, uh, breastfeeding consultant services, right. From IBCLCs. Um, and so I don't know if, if anyone even said anything to her in the hospital, but anyway, long story short, um, when I got pregnant and I started looking into, right. Um, the research, quote unquote, I knew that the combination of my mom, not breastfeeding. And then what I learned about breast milk and specifically, um, black women, I knew that if my body was able to do it, that I wanted to do it. And I wanted to do it as long as possible. It felt like anytime, anytime I go against the status quo, especially in terms of like what is expected of Black women, it is an act of resistance. And it sets an example, not only for other Black women, but for white women too. Um, And I'm speaking specifically for white women who carry around, you know, the biases of of Black moms being separate or different or other in the bad ways, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so and there was also um i had a lot of and this really like upset me when my mom told me that i had a lot of um gastrointestinal upset from formula and um and my mom was like you know i felt so bad for you you were always throwing up i always got ear infections strep throat um it was always just like not getting like super sick but like always getting sick always going to the nurse always like going to the doctor and all these sorts of things and i don't know if being breastfed would have solved every single problem every single time but the research is there and i just felt so bad that she wasn't offered at least the chance or the education right and then she could have made her own choice but The way I was told, she just wasn't even given a choice. And I don't feel like that's fair, even for 1987, right? We knew enough about breast milk. It's not the same as today, but we knew enough. And it just wasn't fair. And so I have the privilege and I have the resources and damn it, that's what I wanted to do. So I did it and I'm still doing it. And yes, I'm absolutely ready to wean this child because my boobs are deflated and- (laughs) not cute and perky anymore and i'm like oh my god but i feel very good about my choice
0: (laughs) good job and congratulations it is such an effort it again it can't be understated to breastfeed for any length of time to breastfeed for 20 months It is just such a commitment of Mm -hmm. the breastfeeding person to do so and to continue to do so. Yeah. So, yeah, I see you in that commitment of it. And then, of course, you have all these other layers of your lived experience. Yeah. Did you feel, especially in those newborn days, weeks, did you feel a lot of pressure upon yourself to be able to do it? That's a great question. I didn't. Um,
1: only because luckily we had no problems, right? Like he had no problem latching, no problem with, um, you know, milk production. I had a C-section. And so like, I heard that it takes longer when you have a C-section for your milk to come in. I don't know if that's true or not, but it took, I was in the hospital for five days and my milk didn't come in until like day four. Um, and so you know, but after that, there were there were no issues, no issues pumping. Um, we had access to a lactation consultant who came to our home um, to sort of just like double check that, and she was a woman of color. And so I just wanted her to double check that what the information I'd been given in the hospital was accurate and I was okay and his weight was okay and all of these things. Um, so I didn't feel any pressure. Nor did I feel any sort of shame or guilt or anything just because it was going well, and I know that that's not the case for everyone. Um, but that was my experience.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that was your experience. You. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, yeah. Maybe if there is a next time, maybe it won't go exactly like that. But also, right. it you. And your mindset going into another round is so different as it is. You're not the same, Ashley, that you were a year and a half, two years ago. So I just think that that's just what I noticed with two different postpartum rounds, two different experiences, breastfeeding. It's just you're changed going into the next time. So even if there are difficulties, you will likely have some resilience for them.
1: Yes. I believe that.
0: The universe did you a solid Zion? Did you a solid with that first <laughs> oh round? Oh my gosh. Yes. Good. I'm so glad for you. You have no
1: idea how, I mean, you probably do, how grateful I am for that experience because I've had countless people on Instagram talk about, you know, their difficulties in sharing certain stories with me or even people who don't have physical difficulties but need to go back to work sooner than I did or didn't have space to pump or whatever or even sometimes folks their babies refuse the breast and then what do they do and so there are so many different variations of of things that could go wrong quote unquote and so I'm glad that at least for this time we were, we were all right. I needed a win, Jesse. I needed a fucking win. And that was, that was my, that was my win. Cause nothing else went how I wanted it to go. Nothing yes. except breastfeeding. So here we are.
0: Was that C-section <laughs> planned or unplanned?
1: Fuck no. Are you kidding? Oh my God. No, 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 no. I, and this is like, this is, and I want to hear your thoughts too, because this is your work, right? Um, I am, for people who are listening that have never seen me, I am 5'4", I'm in a smaller body, I'm muscular, fit, right? Fit in the way that we like talk about fit in like the normal quote unquote fat phobic sense of fit. Um, and so I was like oh pregnancy I got this I I've watched other fitness people do pregnancy and do postpartum and all the things and so I did pelvic floor PT my entire pregnancy I had a doula like all the things I was ready 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 for this vaginal delivery and then um I ended up with gestational diabetes, which felt like a personal failure. Um, so that was one. And then around 35, 36 weeks, my blood pressure started creeping up, despite the fact that I was still teaching fitness classes, right? So I was still moving. I was still quote unquote fit. I was doing everything I was supposed to do. And then I went in for a non-stress test at 37 weeks. And they were like, and go home and pack your bag and go to the hospital. And I was like, fuck. And so we did an induction, which I don't recommend unless you have to, but I was, you know, we had to, we had to do it, um, because of my blood pressure. And, and obviously we didn't want Zion to be in any danger. And then, um, at six centimeters, everything just kind of stopped. It halted, he was stuck um, and nothing else was, nothing else was happening. And I was, I had severe preeclampsia and his blood pressure was going wild. And so 30 minutes later, I was in the OR. Um, And that's, you know, I had at that point, I had no choice. There were no other options because he just needed to come out.
0: Yes. For everyone's health needed to move. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it was not my, not my choice. It was the last thing that I wanted. Um, and it's for me as awful as I thought it would be maybe even Mm -hmm. more awful because I had no frame of reference, but I guess rather I, it confirmed sort of like my idea of how awful it would be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: My first birth was very, very similar to that. Mm. Wanted a home birth, doulas, midwives, the whole nine (laughs) yards. Yeah. Unplanned C-section after a bajillion hours of later, stuck at six centimeters. The last thing I wanted, I was just so yeah you know disappointed isn't even the word I had so much shame after that birth yeah what was what was so awful about it what was hard for you with that birth and with the resulting recovery
1: yeah I mean I kept thinking was there anything I could have done should I have you know I definitely went the route of you know, could I have managed my like food and nutrition better? I did have a dietitian, like hello privilege. I did have, you know, someone sort of helping me out because of the gestational diabetes. But I thought like, you know, we're so, we, we're so individualistic in our like thinking, like everything's about personal responsibility all the time. And sometimes it's just like, you can't help it sometimes things just happen no matter how healthy or fit or this or that or access and privilege and sometimes things just go left right and so I went in a very deep hole of what did I do wrong should I have stopped teaching earlier so I could have relaxed a little bit more um you know all all of those sorts of things and then of course I'm a fitness instructor, and I couldn't fucking move. It hurt. Everything hurt. And then I was seeing, like, of course, my counterparts who had vaginal deliveries getting back to the full swing of things much earlier. Um, and then, of course, like losing weight much earlier. And I also saw folks who had a c-section and were pushing themselves much harder than I was willing to push myself. And like it, it was, it was hard because I knew I was doing the right thing because I knew if I was going to confront my fat phobia, like this was the fucking time there was ever going to be a time it was this. And so I had to literally force myself to go at the pace of my body. And I had to force myself to eat the calories that I needed to continue breastfeeding and to continue recovering, especially because, right. I wasn't sleeping in those newborn days. I'm not sleeping now, but like, <laughs> um, <laughs> my, my son is a trash sleeper and we do not sleep train. So like nobody's sleeping two years later. Um, and so it was just, it was, it was hard to confront those things because I just, I wanted my clothes to fit. I wanted to move without being out of breath in five minutes. I wanted things to not hurt. I wanted to like how I looked in pictures, I, you know, which is all very superficial because all told, I was kind of lucky to be alive. If I had been in a hospital in Mississippi, I might not have even made it out of that. And so, but like, it is what it is, right? Um, and so... Uh, I just, I just wanted, I just wanted the experience that I wanted, and I had a hard time dealing with the experience that I was given. And the other side of that is I made so many connections with people I would have never connected with because for perhaps the first time, a lot of folks saw me as um, a little more accessible because my body was so different. And when I look at pictures of myself back then, the body that I loved and the body that I wanted, I was fucking starving. (laughs) I mean, the healthiest I ever felt was right before pregnancy because we had been living in COVID. And so I was just like rested and not overtraining and eating well and like not depriving of myself. And then, you know, everything changed. It's just like, it's just so it's just so dynamic and so hard um because change is hard
0: yes (laughs) yes especially when it's
1: attached to trauma it's really hard
0: yeah absolutely I've said it so many times but my mental and emotional recovery after that birth that went sideways for me too was just yes so yes. much more difficult than the physical recovery, so long lasting as mm-hmm. you're speaking. And I'm putting myself back to 20 months postpartum the first time I was still going through it then too, yes. feeling like a lot of shit about that birth. It's even wild to me now with my seven and a half year old. And that was the birth that did not go how I wanted it to. There's still moments where I feel like, Oof, why did I do that and would things have gone differently if I had have done xyz yeah and you know you just like go back to giving yourself so much grace and compassion for getting you through have to. and mm-hmm. birth cannot be controlled it just is a thing that goes how it is going to go much of the time yes and uh, I don't know if you know but for my second birth I had a planned cesarean and it was I didn't know this It was wonderful and so healing and physically so much easier than the first one. I've heard this. Is it because you have the expectation
1: going in, right? When it's not an emergency and it's not like hair on fire, you know, (laughs) you kind of just go in for a surgery.
0: (laughs) It's so wild. You just walk yourself into the OR and that was it. It didn't labor wow. for 37 hours before. Yeah. Mentally and emotionally, you just know what's coming. You know, the physical recovery is right. not as jarring to your system. I think, cause you have experienced it before. Right. So anyways, if you are in the position of another pregnancy again, and you need to chat through anything, just let me know.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I hope to, I hope to have at least one more babe, and I also understand that, you know, I I may like the same things might happen again in terms of uh, GD or preeclampsia or any of those things, and so um, uh, another C section might very well be in the cards for me. And I it would it would be a disservice to myself if I tried to deny <laughs> that that could happen again knowing that there's just so unpro- so much unpredictability, um, which also makes me think it's why people put so much emphasis on different kinds of birth experiences yes. or quote unquote natural birth or this or that. And it's like the amount of shame that mothers themselves create in this community is that's jarring to me knowing that like if I could have had another experience don't you think I would have chosen that however my experience is my experience it's also shared by millions of other birthing people and so why should I feel shame just because another person was able to maybe like you know, have an experience that I wanted or have an experience that we consider to be more normal or whatever it is. It's just other, other moms make motherhood uh, a little more difficult than it needs to be in yeah. a myriad of ways.
0: Agreed yes yeah our culture and the way we box ourselves into yeah of course it's everything we've been talking about the way we box Mm -hmm. ourselves into these Mm -hmm. standards and ideas and like whiteness driving everything Everything. also occurs in birthing yeah (sighs) well Listen, (laughs) Ashley, (laughs) I told you this would be 45 minutes and it's been much longer, but I just could talk with you about all things for so long. Please, please have me back because,
1: or like, let's just hang out or something like as if you live down the street. Let's hang out on Zoom.
0: (laughs) Honestly, I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Thank you so much. Please tell the people where they can find you on the internet or even in person too. Yeah, um, well,
1: so thank you for listening, everybody. I appreciate it. Um, if you are an Instagram person, you could find me at Black Girl Magic Mama. If you are um a LinkedIn person, I know like some people <laughs> do the socials in a different way, it's Ashley B. Mitchell. Um, if you are an email person, Black Girl Magic Mama at Gmail. And if you are a Boston, Massachusetts person, you can find me at Down Under Yoga. And
0: that's about it. Amazing. All right. Thank you, friend. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.